Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I bring to you another installment of Moments with Moa. Greetings and good morning to everyone. I want to welcome you all to Moa's Ark, where you know that God dwells, Jesus reigns, the Holy Spirit guides, and we live in the agape. You all know that my main purpose is to help you to make a difference, make a difference in your life so that you can be your ha- your happiest, your wisest, and your most loving self. Amen. So that is my purpose and my goal for uh, these podcasts to give you tangible, relatable tools to help aid you in your everyday living. Uh, Today, I wanted to talk about a topic that I felt was interesting enough and needed uh, that we just talk about it and get it all out on the table. Because sometimes I think that You know, we deal with what I'm going to talk about internally. We deal with it personally, professionally. We even deal with it in the church, you know. So I felt like it was something that I just needed to bring to the table. And what I'm going to be talking about today is the spirit of the narcissist, the narcissist. And you all who follow my podcast, you know, I just did a uh, um, broadcast on Uh, behaviors that we want to discontinue immediately, those toxic behaviors. And and one of them is comparing ourselves to others. And as we unraveled that topic, we uh, uncovered a little bit of narcissism. You know, when we're dealing in that state of trying to be like others or comparing others to us, trying to be superior, uh, there's there's a hint of narcissism there, but I wanted to elaborate on that topic uh, just a little bit further so that we can know how to deal with it. Now, some would say that narcissism is a personality disorder, and I know that many in the helps industry, uh, they try to approach it from that manner, and I do believe um just to a certain extent, the behaviors that we learn, the conditioning that we have will drive us to those behaviors. But I think that on some accounts, it is deeper than that. It is deeper than that. It is a spirit. It is a stronghold. It is a demonic presence by which we need to seek deliverance. We need to seek deliverance. Uh, many of us are dealing with that spirit and our, uh, on our jobs. We're dealing with it in, in the corporate environment. I believe that corporate America, in my opinion, is the um, breeding ground for narcissists. And it is so fertile. Uh, it is a place where narcissists grow and develop. The seed is planted and nourished and watered and eventually <laughs> it is developed into these monsters that we have to work with a lot of times. We also find it in the church. My God, my God, if if the church is not the um, container for so many narcissists and we don't want to say it but prophet is going to say it today i mean you look at some of these ministers and some of these pastors and bishops especially since we have created uh these christian uh um what do you want to call them 
they have the fan base and, and Christian celebrities. We've created a lot of these Christian celebrities and, and all that does is create narcissists. I watched something the other day that just really, it disturbed my spirit. It disturbed, it grieved me so much. It was a um, very popular evangelist and and in her heyday I'm telling you she was doing everything from Azusa to woman thou art loose and and she had a scandal that happened in her life that kind of knocked her down a little bit but she you know came back out and and anyway some of you may know who I'm talking about but I saw something where um she was rebuking the church she was rebuking the church and her rebuke had nothing to do with Christian values had nothing to do with gospel principles and everything to do with their inability to serve her and others in position of leadership in uh, the way of their protocol. So she was she was uh, uh, reprimanding someone for not moving a plant out of her way. (laughs) And then she went on to talk about how you serve leadership. Now, see, the the thing is, I believe that we got it twisted. We got it wrong. For us who are ministers, those who God has called, especially in this season, we are called to serve, not to be served. It it rubs me a little different. You know, and you all know that I'm a non-traditional uh, uh, saint. <laughs> I, I grew up in the church in the sense that, you know, I was young and grew older, but I did not become indoctrinated into some of the religious practices uh, that they had. And, and it always, always, always would rub me some kind of way, you know, when, when people were serving uh, leaders at almost to the extent that they're doing it like they're their their slave or, or you know it, it just it just didn't ring right with me now I understand you know when you're up there preaching and you're ministering you know to have someone to bring you you know something to drink you know just um, because your throat will get parched and you'll get cotton mouth. So I understand that. But I mean, just feeling like you got some kind of servant that, you know, like a slave or, you know, something, but I'm not going to get too deep into that because I wanted to talk about that. But it was just in the way that she was rebuking the people. And it was more about her. It was more about when you serve, you know, me, then look at who else is around me, serve them too. And when you serve, I that just didn't set right to me. And there is a, a spirit of narcissism that is so prominent, is it, it, as a matter of fact, is predominant in the church. And I believe, and I, I, I got to do a little bit more study and, and maybe, and I'm just going to tell you all what I believe and Holy Spirit, correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe a lot of times that spirit is rooted in uh, rejection, abuse, you know, different things, because we put up these, um, we put up these uh, walls to protect us. And a lot of times we over exaggerate our esteem for ourselves, and we become protective, right? And so that bitterness or whatever it is that we're holding on to, it changes and it it morphs into, uh, you know, it's all about me. It's all about me. Everything is all about me. I'm less empathetic or compassionate towards your situation or your circumstance. So let's talk about it. 
Okay? Because a lot of times, um, you know, we'll find them even in our own households because we're raising them. We're raising our children to be narcissists. When we uh, fail to give them proper discipline and structure and, and, you know, just rearing them in the way in which they should go, you know, these little boogers become narcissists and the world becomes all about them. You know, going back to the social media and, you know, just the age of the internet, it separates us from that human contact. And as we are becoming less physical and more virtual, you know, sometimes it's easy for us to lose that sense of compassion. And a lot of times that drives us further if we're if we're struggling with that spirit that opens the door for us to get further and further and deeper and deeper uh and embedded into uh the spirit so you know we'll find it even in our own households and even you know sometimes we will demonstrate the attributes of a narcissist and the way that i look at it is like this i don't want nothing absolutely nothing that belongs to the enemy And I come to tell you today that narcissism, anything that is associated with it, belongs to the enemy. So even demonstrating the attributes of it, even even if I wouldn't uh, classify you as a narcissist per se, but you have narcissist tendencies, you need to work on it. You need to work on it. You need to seek God for deliverance and you need to bind up those spirits, you need to bind up those spirits because, uh, you know, it, it'll become a detriment to you. And sometimes we wonder why we can't function around or, or with people. It's because of that spirit. It's because of that spirit. It's, it's found a comfortable space and a place, you know, in your life. And it just dwells there. In the lives of others. And we have to be bold enough, those of us who believe that God has given us the authority to cast down these spirits. Don't just sit back and accept that, yeah, well, hey, <laughs> I know that narcissism is is uh, bred in the corporate environment. So, hey, it is what it is. So I'm just going to deal with it. The devil is a liar. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. You have to take authority over these things and you have to uh, pray and you have to uh, war, spiritually war against these demonic spirits that have no power and no authority over your life, even in your own household. Even in your whole own household, some of us are in so much fear and we've been tormented so much by this narcissist spirit that we scared to even rock the boat in our own homes. We're scared to rock the boat, you know, um, in, in our jobs, in the church, in the church. We feel like we have to deal with certain things because it's coming through certain people. The, the favorite scripture of the narcissist in the church is touch not my anointed and do my prophet no harm. It is a fear tactic that is used, uh, you know, to cause you to not deal with and confront that spirit through the spirit of God, through the blood of Jesus, through his name, the power in his name. You know, 
the, the secular world calls it narcissism. In the church, sometimes we call it a spirit of Baal or Jezebel. You know, that's how we can relate to it. But nonetheless, it is a demonic spirit behind it. And usually one of the quickest ways that you can identify that demon is it'll hold that mirror up to you. <laughs> and when I say you, I'm talking about his victims. It'll hold that mirror up to you and reflect uh, themselves as the victim. They'll act like you are the one that is inflicting the, uh, the attack against them. And the ringleader of this demon is, is blame shifting, is blame shifting. And the goal is to make you feel like you insane. It creates chaos and, and confusion and then shift the blame back to you. <laughs> shift the blame back to you and act like you did something to it. How many times? Boy, I tell you. One of the things that I used to experience in corporate America, which I'm on this journey now. I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know where God is taking me. But if it be his will... <laughs> I pray that I don't have to go back into corporate America, but I may, I may have to, because, you know, uh, the, the words say money answereth all things <laughs> and it's going to answer some calls when, you know, these bills come in. So I may have to go back into the corporate environment, but on so many occasions, so many occasions, I would deal with people and I would say that those were the ones who would throw the rocks and hide their hands. But then they turn around and act like you threw the rock. You know, they would do things intentionally, intentionally to arouse or to to agitate, you know, to provoke you into action and then turn around and act like they didn't do nothing. They didn't do nothing. And y'all know exactly what that is like. Y'all know what it's like to deal with these uh, co-laboring demons of insanity, all that devil wants to do, all that narcissist spirit, even with the one that it is operating through, it wants to cause you to lose your ever-loving mind. It wants to cause you to lose your mind and wants you to feel defeated when you're dealing with uh, that narcissist, a lot of times it's hard to have a rational conversation, a logical conversation, because what they'll do is they'll try to spin. They, they're, they're good spin doctors, you know, when it comes to not addressing and, and overlooking uh, situations that need to be handled. I went to my son's basketball game yesterday, and uh, it was funny because... I was I was sitting next to uh, one of my old neighbors and the boys, our boys grew up together. Uh, but since we moved out here, uh, that family has really taken a, a, a you know, a, a front row seat 
and in the lives of of my boys, you know, and they they're very active and and supportive with the boys. But anyway, I was sitting with the dad, and he was he was doing a little commentary. Uh, every time they would go and and make a shot or or have a play or anything like that, but it was so funny. It tickled me last night. He he was um, critiquing or more so criticizing. He was trash talking one of the young boys on the other team, you know. And the boy would go and every time he get the ball, he had one signature move that he would do, and it, it was a little spin turn thing. <laughs> So, so my neighbor, uh, he would every time the guy would get the ball, he say, "All he gonna do is just that little, that little spin, that little, you know." Uh, and I can't remember. I wish I could remember exactly what he said, but it was so, so funny because he was trash talking him every time he go up, you know, for uh, a basket. He say, "Oh, there he go again," you know, with that little spin. And see, that's what the enemy does with this demon, with this spirit. That's what that spirit does. All it does is it goes up for the basket, but it's always going to do that little spin, that little spin before it actually gets it in the, you know, in the hoop. It's going to do that spin and try to turn things back on you. But the thing that you have to understand is you got to shut it down. You got to shut it down. You cannot allow that spirit to dwell, to have any type of um, influence in any aspect or area of your life. You got to shut it down. You got to cut it off and you got to deal with it. Now, there is a principle of binding and loosing, but binding and loosing is temporal, is temporary, and, and that spirit will come back. You need deliverance. You need complete deliverance. And I'm telling you, for those of you who are connected to a ministry and a covering that 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 functions and operates and true delivers, get get up onto somebody to, to tackle and deal with this de- demon. For others of you who are not, seek God. Seek God for direction. Begin to pray and begin to deal with this thing because you cannot just, you know, allow these demonic spirits to take up root in areas of your life. Because if they get embedded well enough, you won't be able to get them out. Just like any vermin or or any type of infestation, you know, any rodent, anything like that. You don't want them to even get in. So you got to shut it down. You got to shut it down. You got to identify what these spirits are. Okay. All right. So the the key, the key is, and, and you all are intelligent people. You know, we are spiritual people. So we're inclined. We're, we're feeling. So, you know, we know reality from fiction. You know when you're being abused. You know when you're being misused. Uh, So you got to start opening up your discernment. Opening up your discernment. And don't turn a blind eye to this. Pay attention to the accusations that come from your abusers. Pay attention. Because as they come and accuse you, through these spirits that you're dealing with, then that's what you bind. That's what you bind. Begin to bind up that spirit. Begin to bind up 
those demons. So one of the ways that this narcissist spirit will come, the spirit that it uses behind narcissism is insanity. It's insanity. And the purpose is to make you feel like you're crazy. No, that never happened. It wasn't that way. I never intended it that way. You're taking it the wrong way. And actually, (laughs) it's you. It's you. You're the one that's doing A, B, and C that you're trying to approach me with. So that's one of the spirits. So when you begin to see it, begin to bind up the spirit of insanity. Don't deal with it. Do not deal with it. And I'm telling you, use wisdom. Use wisdom. I'm not saying get in front of that spirit and say, I bind you up, you demon of insanity. No, get into your secret place. All right? So another spirit, word twisting. Word twisting. That demon will twist your words so quick. Keep in mind, this narcissist spirit is a lying spirit. It's a lying spirit. It will use your words against you to shift blame, to shift blame. And all that means is it's shifting the blame off of itself onto you. All right? Word twisting. When when you see it coming, you better bind it up. Bind it up. That it loses its power. All right? The other is blame, condemnation, and accusation. All right? They want you to think that you are, that they are the victim, not that you're the victim. Now, you know, you've been victimized and, and I can't stand, I just cannot stand it. When, when people, you know, say, oh, you playing the victim. I'm not playing anything (laughs) when I've been victimized. And I told y'all before in another broadcast that my husband gets on me all the time about watching these, um, reality shows. (laughs) (laughs) And and maybe I shouldn't be doing it. So y'all pray for me. But anyway, he gets on me about that. But I cannot stand when them women try to call each other out for playing the victim when you need to address the situation at hand. So anytime I mention something that is bothering me or something that that has, you know, um, concerned me, now I'm playing the victim. All right, y'all better learn how to bind that spirit up. Because it's behind narcissism. All right. It causes chaos and confusion. It is a spirit of chaos and confusion. And it leaves you dumbfounded. How many times? <laughs> How many times you done dealt with this crazy demon making you feel like you crazy? Done turned your words around on you, blamed you, condemned you, and accused you. And now you left dumbfounded like, whoa. Wow, what happened? (laughs) What happened? It's a spirit of selfishness behind this demon. A spirit of selfishness behind this stronghold. And it wants to be the center of attention and have full control. It wants all things about me. Everything is about me. It wants to be the center of of attention and have full control. All right? It wants to control. It wants full control. It is controlling. It's territorial. It wants to protect its narcissist territory. Don't you try to step in there. 
Don't you try to step in there. It's going to try to chop your head off because it wants to regain control. Um, it wants to maintain control of its territory. Very territorial. Y'all better catch it. You better catch it and begin to bind up these spirits. It has a strong spirit of exaggeration. Strong, very strong, very strong. It blows things out of proportion that make mountains out of molehills. Y'all ever dealt with that? You ever dealt with that? A simple little situation. And that stronghold will blow it straight up out of proportion. It's a spirit of insecurity. And again, like I said, it stems from abuse and oftentimes from your childhood, some form of, ab- of abuse, whether it's emotional, physical, or, you know, sexual, you know, some form of abuse that keeps them controlling their environment. You want to keep control. And it starts out. That's why I say a lot of times people have to be very careful. You have to be very careful. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's not going to fight fair. He's not going to fight fair. And I'm telling you the truth. That you may have been a victim of abuse. You may have been a a victim of things that by no um, effort of your own, by no cause of your own, you have suffered at the hands of others, but the enemy ain't done there. He wants to um, he wants to sow bitterness into your heart so that you become callous and and develop those insecurities which will drive and continue to perpetuate that spirit of narcissism. It's just a reality. All right, so it's a spirit of anger and rage that is driving this demon as well, this stronghold, and it's linked to selfishness. It's a spirit of hiding. It tries to conceal uh, their weaknesses and refuse to face the truth. And it and that that narcissist, it'll try to get you to yourself. I'm telling you, it'll try to. Hide what it's doing to you so that no one else sees it. Throwing the rock and hiding their hands. And, and what better way to make you look crazy than to do something to provoke you. And then when you, when you act on it, now they got cause for cause. Yep, she crazy. She crazy. That spirit is apathetic. And it's, it's oftentimes bored and unfulfilled. Never satisfy. Never satisfy. There's a spirit of pride that is associated with that spirit. And, and see, narcissists believe that they are above all repro- reproach. You, you can't tell me nothing. Going back to, you know, what I heard from that uh, evangelist, the prophetess, the other day. It's like, come on now. You mean to tell me? You mean to tell me that you done dragged the gospel through the bloody dirt. <laughs> you going to come back and reproach somebody about moving a plant? Come on now. That pride, that spirit of pride makes them feel that they are above reproach. There's a spirit of judgment 
on uh, associated with the narcissist that causes them to look down on others. They feel like they're above everyone. They're better than everybody. And that demon has an addiction to attention. That's a spirit. That's a spirit. It's very lustful. Very, very lustful. And got to have all the attention. And the demon, there's a spirit of mockery behind it. Mockery. It's going to mock you. You know, just like in, 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 in grade school, when you get on the playground, and that one that just mocks you and try to provoke you to get a reaction. That's a spirit. You better learn how to bind it. You better learn how to bind that spirit. But keep in mind, again, like I said, binding is temporary. It's temporary. But you need to get before God and and ask them for clarity on the next step, on deliverance. But when you bind those spirits, you better believe that you need to loose the fruit of the Holy Spirit. As you begin to bind these spirits, again, as you see the spirit of insanity, the spirit of word twisting, blame, condemnation, accusation, chaos and confusion, selfishness, control, exaggeration, insecurity, anger and rage, hiding, uh, apathy and boredom, pride, judgment, addiction to addiction to attention, mockery. When you bind those spirits up, I want you to make sure that you are loosing the fruit of the spirit. Loose the fruit of the spirit. Even now, God, for those who are listening to this broadcast, I bind up every spirit that is tormenting them. Every spirit that has been mentioned during this broadcast, Lord God from manifesting in their lives with the blood of Jesus. And I declare that they will have no authority over anyone that is under the sound of my voice. And Father, in his place, I loose the fruit of love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness, faith and patience and self-control in the name of Jesus. And it's just that simple, God. We trust you. We believe you. And for those who are standing in agreement with me, Father, I pray that you will allow them to use their authority to expose the tactics of the enemy, the tormentor, the abuser, the one that is tormenting their lives even now. That you will bring forth deliverance that will set them free, Lord God. That, Father, you will turn their lives around, turn their situations around, turn their circumstances, whether it be in their household, Lord God, whether it be with their spouse, Lord Jesus, whether it be on their jobs, whether it be in the church, Lord God, with their spiritual leaders, Lord God, Father God, whether it be with their children, whether it be, Father God, with their neighbors in their community, Lord Jesus, turn it around. Turn it around. Bring forth deliverance now in the name of Jesus. Lord God, I thank you, I bless you, I honor you, and I worship your holy name. For your name is great, and it is greatly to be praised. Now, Father God, I pray, Lord Jesus, 
that we began to see the, the, the tangible effects of this prayer. And I ask for immediate manifestation of your glory. That Father God, we will have a testimony that one day, <laughs> one day, God came in and turned our situation around. And for those even who are dealing with the spirit of narcissism internal to themselves, those who are demonstrating attributes of the narcissist, bring forth deliverance now in the name of Jesus. Lord God, make us aware of our actions and our behaviors that are not pleasing to you. Give us to repent and turn from our ways, Lord Jesus, and seek your face and so that you can hear us from heaven. Help us, God. We need you, Lord Jesus. And we seal this prayer this morning through our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God and amen. All right. So now, because we are in the body of Christ, we need to address it. We need to address how this spirit of narcissism impacts the body. We are in 2020. It's time for a change. It's time for a change. We have to do something about it. The Bible tells us faith, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And now it is the season that we have to put the work into our faith. And we got to uh, 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 supplement our faith with work. We got to do the work. We become so lazy, so slothful, you know, and that's a spirit too. We become so lazy in the church. The word of God in, in 1 John 4 and 1 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So what is, what is the word of God telling us? It's telling us, test the spirit, try the spirit by the spirits. Everything is not of God. And everybody who say that they're Christian, that they're following Christ, I'm telling you the truth. They are not of God. They are not of God. So many people are pursuing their own agendas, whether it's for money, fame, political influence, politics, whatever. We've gotten so far away from following Christ that we, you know, we accept anything. It's become a norm in the church. And we don't even have uh, 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 the right types of detectors to identify these things when they come in our radar. These demons, these false disciples, they come in all shapes, forms, and fashion. But the most dangerous one to me is that, that spirit of the narcissist. That narcissist, because it's so deceptive. It's so deceptive. And if you're not wise, if you don't, if you don't use wisdom, and I'm telling you the scripture that comes to mind is being wise as a serpent and, and gentle as a dove. I'm telling you, that's how you got to deal with that demon. You got to be wise because if you meet that thing with the same uh, intensity of attack as it come after you, 
<laughs> you try to be a roaring lion dealing with a narcissist, sometimes it ain't going to fare well. I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. And if you be so passive and docile and, oh, this is not what they meant or this is not what it is, you know, and you don't use wisdom, that, that thing will eat you alive. That thing will eat you alive. Because, see, the spirit of the narcissist will use someone to use the gospel to build themselves up. And, and to tear everybody else down. And if we leave it unchecked, see what I was saying before is that you got to check that demon. You have to. You cannot, in 2020, we no longer have time because we know that Christ's re return is, is, is sooner and sooner. You know, as we live longer and longer, we don't know when he's coming, but it's, but it's, it's, it's coming. Is coming. And as we get closer to that time, warfare is going to intensify. So we don't have time to let that demon lay dormant and just do whatever it want to do and be unchecked because if it's left unchecked, it can inflict devastating harm in your home, in your workplace, you know, in the church. I'm telling you, you got to deal with this demon. You got to deal with this demon. And here are a couple of things that I want you to take heed to. A couple of things. When you see it, when you see it, I want you to identify this is a narcissist. Now, don't y'all be going up to people, labeling them and, and, and feeling, you know, self-righteous and, and having a righteous indignation and saying, look, you you exhibited this behavior, so you a narcissist, so I'm about to call you out. That ain't what it's about. This is a spiritual warfare. It's just a way for you to identify it and to know that you got to fight. <coughs> no more just laying down and taking it. You got to fight, all right? So when you see that they are constantly referencing their own achievements, they don't see nobody else's achievement, nothing else but what they doing. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not talking about that one that, you know, shows you what they've done and what they're capable of doing. You know, but, but one that you need to watch out for, too, in this area or category is, is that self, that um, uh, false humility false humility because sometimes they want to downplay their contribution so that you can lift them up and, and reference their achievements. All right. So the spirit of the narcissist loves to self-promote. All right. For them, every conversation is an opportunity to share just how superior they are to the average believer. They typically go about this by listing off their own achievements. You're, you'll hear them talk incessantly about their upcoming book, their latest blog post, their sermons, their missions. They'll talk about their children. They'll talk about what they're doing in the church. They'll talk about, you know, how they've served the bishop and his wife and, you know, all types of relationships that they have. Come on now. But the scripture tells us to not seek our own glory, 
but to let our work stand on its own. All right. So for those of you who are not narcissists, do not think that you are exempt. Don't think you're exempt because you may not be walking in that. That spirit may not have a stronghold on you today. But I'm telling you this one of the ways start boasting and, and self-promoting yourself. And next thing you know, you're going to look at yourself in 2002. I mean, 2022. <laughs> Wonder how you became the narcissist that was torturing you. All right. And that that demon will flaunt anything they believe will bring them praise. So be very careful when you see this behavior, know that there's a spirit of narcissism behind it. And the best way for us to counter this is to display the example of Micah 6 and 8. To live justly, to show mercy, and to walk humbly with the Lord our God. The other thing that the narcissist will do is invade your conversation. Mm, mm, mm. How many times we see that? Right in the church. Now, you see me talking. You And if you stood there long enough to listen to what we were talking about, you know what you're trying to talk about is not the topic of discussion. You ain't adding to it. You're just ready to stop the conversation. I was, uh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't share this. Um, you know, it, people, people just do that. People do that a lot of times. And when you have uh, a goal or an objective, like with me, a lot of times I'm leading and I'm directing, um, you know, tasks and actions so we can meet a certain goal. And when you're dealing with people who always got to be the center of attention, always got to grab control of the conversation, you have to learn a way to not really offend them, (laughs) but to rein them back in. Like, come on now. All right. But the narcissist, uh, that spiritual narcissist craves control. And their highest authority is always their own self-reference. As a result, it is not uncommon for them to invade the person, the personal or private conversations of, of others. They'll often do this under the guise of helping or correcting people, Christians, co-workers, anybody. But they have no real interest in a two-way dialogue. They're not coming in to, to provide input and, like I said, to support the topic at hand. They just want control. So you'll notice that they also have a way of injecting their own opinions in the situation and are the first voice, I mean, they're the first to voice their complaints about the recent events or whatever it is. They, they always complaining about something. So the Bible warns us that such people create division around, uh, amongst the believers and they serve their own appetites. Check that out in Romans 16 verses 17 through 18 and Psalms 36 verses 1 through 4. When you are dealing with this narcissist, 
sometimes as Christians, we, we try to find the best way to, to talk to them and to encourage them. Remember, this is a spirit. It's a demonic spirit. It's not something that you can rationalize with. Okay? So get into Proverbs 26, verses 4 through 5. And the best way that you can make a, a difference with this demon is to stand your ground and refuse to be bullied. Now, I'm not saying get into no conversation. Hey, don't interrupt my conversation, you know, bucking your head and, and rolling your eyes and getting upset. That ain't Christian-like either. But stand your ground and don't allow this narcissist to invade your conversation. Ah. The other way is that they will twist the word of God, especially in the church, in the church, in the church. They will twist the word of God, but even that narcissist, when they know that you are a believer, they'll try to use the word of God against you. Susan B. Anthony, I was, I was watching, um, uh, the Powerpuff Girls with my grandbaby. My grandbaby is four months old. And this child loves the Powerpuff Girls. And every time they do that little intro, <laughs> every time they do the little intro, she just perks up and she gets so excited. But she loves those Powerpuff Girls. But anyway, they were uh, <clears throat> talking about Susan B. Anthony on one of the episodes. Uh, but that reminded me that she once said that I distrust those people who know so well what God wants them to do because I notice it always I know I notice it always coincides with their own desires see <laughs> she said I, I don't I don't trust those people you you know exactly what God wants you to do because it coincides with with your own desires and 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 our ways are not his ways our thoughts are not his thoughts okay so the the narcissist will use the scripture as a tool for his purpose instead of God's purpose so they'll use the scripture for their for their purpose because it, and and see the narcissist to me is lazy very lazy you're going to build off of the foundation that God already built. You know that as Christians, as, as followers of Christ, we believe in the word of God. So you're just going to lazily take the word of God and try to use it as your tool to promote your agenda. Oftentimes, the narcissist will approach the Bible with a closed mind memorizing only a handful of useful verses that will justify their behavior. Anything else, particularly scripture that conflicts with their actions, gets ignored. Just like the men in Jude 1 and 4 uh, that, that were not to be trusted. You got a lot of people that will... Um, that will use the word of God for their own benefit, twist it all up, <laughs> say whatever it is that they want to say. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry. 
and have you all bound to their agenda. But in Jude 1 and 4, the word of God said, For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about, long ago after secretly, long long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign Lord. Now, how many people you know? They twist in the word of God. They pervert the word of God and they don't slip right on in. The only way that you can combat these individuals as they try to twist the word of God is know the word for yourself. Get into an intimate relationship with God for yourself. Understand your identity in him. Understand his identity in you. That that way, their faulty theology, it, it won't work on you. It won't work on you. And Lord forbid, don't get into no debate or argument. I, I get sick of people trying to argue the word of God. The word stands on its own. You ain't got to debate or argue the word of God. Let them twist the word, but know that that is a sign. It is a an attribute of that narcissistic spirit. Bind it up. Loose the, the fruit. All right. So another way to identify them is that they will profess love, but never show it. Mm. Love is an action. Love is an action. So they'll profess their love, but they'll never show it. The easiest way for you to identify the spiritual narcissist is, is to see if their works match their words. They'll tell you that they have nothing but love and compassion in their hearts. But they'll try to rebuke and the way in which they do it will show you otherwise. They'll try to reprove you or rebuke and say, oh, I'm doing this out of love. The devil is a liar. Because in Matthew 7, it teaches us that we can judge a prophet by the fruit of his labor. The word says a good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So what kind of harvest are these demons? I'm not going to call them demons, but spiritual narcissists bringing. Identify this thing. Know what you're dealing with. Understand that love is is more than just words. It's how you treat your brother. Where's your empathy? Where's your compassion? Love in, in all actuality is what separates us from a narcissist. It's what separates us. It's that love. When, and I'm not saying that you don't have to reproach or rebuke uh, some that are under your authority. Sometimes you do. But it's love 
It's love that causes us to separate ourselves and, and to identify as Christians versus it's, it's not self-centered. Okay? Another way to identify them is they'll talk and they will not listen. Now, they'll, they'll listen. They'll listen <laughs> for when they can inject their opinion. But they're not really listening. For, for us as Christians, listening is probably the most powerful tool we got. Because, you know, we, we don't know all things, so we got to listen. It helps us to build trust and create empathy and it fosters understandings, you know, amongst us and our brethren. And James 1 and 19, he urged the believers to be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. But see that narcissist will be quick to speak, quick to take offense, incapable of listening. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they enjoy being the loudest one in the room. They don't want you to defer to somebody else. They want to be the center of attention. That's a narcissist. As Christians, as a true Christian, we'll listen to others, even, even when we don't agree. Even when we don't agree, it requires us to be selfless. And that's something that a narcissist cannot do. They cannot be selfless. And sometimes even... You know, when we don't agree with things, it's okay to listen because sometimes best is not always better. The best approach may not always be a better approach. And I, I say that all the time. I had to learn that in my career. You know, sometimes we'll evaluate and assess things and determine what the best approach is. But because of the cost, the resources, you know, the uh, company's ability to uh, retain or, or uh, execute may not be optimal, that, that solution may be the best solution, but it may not be better. But the only way that you get to uh, understand it is by listening. But see, that narcissist, they'll talk and talk and talk and they will not listen because it's all about them. Be very careful. And as Christians, we have to be empathetic, sympathetic, and compassionate even towards the narcissist. Now, this is what I'm saying. Separate the, the, the person from the spirit. Be very clear. Because a lot of times people who are struggling in this area, it is rooted from some past abuse, some past abuse. I notice with people oftentimes who have been sexually abused, they just talk, 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 talk. And that, that's, that's another, you know, that, that schizophrenia, that spirit of, of paranoia causes them. They just talk, 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 and they don't listen. They don't listen. I've lost some friends over the years that I would just I would just love to, you know, hear the stories about their families and what's going on in their lives. And I have really good relationships with them, but they just talk, 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 talk and never listen to me. And I found myself really trying to be deliberate with my children and listening more because I, I find <laughs> I just be talking. 
and we we be two three hours on the phone and I failed to you know find out what's going on with them but anyway I have to make a conscious effort but there are some people that I'm telling you they just talk and talk and talk all right so another way to identify them is that they live in the echo chambers all right so just like in First uh, Kings 22, where Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and Ahab, king of Israel, joined forces to wage war against the neighboring adversaries. However, before they departed, Jehoshaphat decides to inquire upon the Lord for guidance. 400 prophets paraded in front of the kings proclaiming victory is at hand. But Jehoshaphat was not convinced. So when asked, rather, there is still a disciple of the Lord they can speak with, Ahab reluctantly admits there is still one prophet through whom we can inquire of the Lord. But I hate him because he never prophesies anything good about me, but always bad. <laughs> he is Micaiah. Micaiah, son of Imlah, and that's M-I-C-A-I-A-H. <laughs> so like Ahab, the spirit of, of the narcissist lives in their own personal echo chamber. chamber. They surround themselves with individuals who will always affirm their existing uh, preconceptions or opinions. They want to hear good things. They don't want to hear the prophet that's coming and telling them, uh, <laughs> Ahab, you, you, you dealing with a, a narcissist, a spirit of a narcissist. As a matter of fact, you sleeping with one, but I ain't going to get into that. They want you to uh, bounce off to them things that they want to hear. They also refuse to acknowledge their mistakes. They refuse to acknowledge their mistakes. Now, nobody really likes to admit when they're wrong. A lot of times, I mean, you know, sometimes we will, but but by default, we don't want to admit that we're wrong because it's, it's humbling. And sometimes it can even be embarrassing. So we don't like that experience, but accepting responsibility for our mistakes is really, is the show towards maturity. And so for the narcissist, they're, they're very immature, and so they don't want to acknowledge their mistakes. Even when you have insurmountable evidence against them, the narcissist will defend their actions to the end. And they'll, they'll tell you they're right even when they know they're wrong. Because it's not about the greater good of the situation, building of the relationship. It's about protecting their self-image. God gave us humility as a gift. 
It's a it's a precious gift. It's a gift that we need to uh, cultivate, and we need to um, respect it, honor it, and protect it. Because it allows us to learn from our mistakes, to recognize our faults, and to just grow and be better people all around. In Philippians 3 and 13, it it admonishes us to accept what we've done wrong and to strive to live for what comes ahead. A lot of times I say uh, practice makes permanent. And I always remind you guys that I am uh, perfectly imperfect. So humility is a gift that God has given us as saints to help us to stay on track and, and to not fall into the grip of the, of the stronghold of the narcissist. The other thing that they do is they'll tear others down. Just tear them, rip them to shreds. In 1 Thessalonians, <laughs> I said Thessalonians. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11, we see the word of God says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. The Bible tells us. But we know that the, the narcissists, they'll do the total opposite. They don't know how to build people up. And so rather than serving as a source of inspiration, the narcissist enjoys being the, the uh, voice of derision. They, they want to be quick to criticize others just for what they perceive as a failure. You know, they often cause mischief by inflaming arguments against believers. They're the ones who are taunting and torturing the believer. The only way that they build up their sense of worth is by tearing others down. The the Bible tells us that the fruit of the spirit is love. Love, the fruit of the spirit, not spirits. The fruit of the spirit that we are are to, to emulate is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we want to be known for what we build, not for what we break, not for what we tear down. So if you find yourself in a place or a space where you are constantly tearing others down, go back and get in Galatians 5. Learn a little bit about what we ought to be doing according to the fruit of the Spirit and assuring tearing folks down. Another way to identify this spirit in the church 
is that they lead by force and not by example. And I would even venture to say that they're the worst kind of leaders. They are horrible leaders. They're very petty, uncompromising, spiteful, and extremely uh, controlling. They don't know how to inspire (coughs) followers by example because a lot of times, and I'm just being honest, these narcissists, they don't even have the skill set. There's no substance to their knowledge. That's why they lead by force and they're not by example because they don't know the example. They've never practiced or perfected their area of expertise. That's why they can't show you an example. And so they'll do what is more common to them and try to force you into or coerce you into doing something. They'll correct people without um, remorse or, or compassion. They'll try to humiliate them. They won't mentor you, coach you. But a good leader will correct you without humiliating you. They'll mentor you into your growth. They'll consider their words to you before they even speak it out. In 1 Samuel 24, David, despite all of his faults, all of his issues, He showed humility and wisdom for God's anointed rulers. Peter spent his life testifying to Christ's resurrection and building bridges of fellowship between strangers. This is what we're supposed to be modeling. Those were true leaders, true leaders. And like I said, a true leader understands that it's their responsibility to serve and to not be served. Another way for you to identify this narcissist is that they'll ultimately put God second. They, they, they're not worried about God. In Matthew 22 and 37, Jesus admonishes us to love the Lord, our God, with all of our heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. In Matthew 22, 37 through 40. A lot of us, we will quote this scripture. We know it verbatim. We know it by heart. But the meaning behind God's words, do we really understand it? Because it goes much further than we realize. It's not only is he calling us to love God with all our hearts. He's telling us that our faithfulness is affirmed by our love for our neighbors. To, to be blunt, basically what he's saying is we can only love God if we're unselfish. 
But the narcissist will never put God first. They'll never uh, be subject to Christ's commands. They'll never treat their neighbors with love. Pride will always, always usurp any good judgment. They are spiritually toxic. They are incapable of showing forth the love that God desired for us to show one for another. So whether it's you who is demonstrating the spirit, whether you are experiencing it through others, know that today you must no longer allow the spirit to, to continue to flourish in your domain. So whether you're in the workplace, whether you're in your home, whether you're in the church, whether you're in your community, it is time that you take action. Take it by force. Don't allow this demon to continue to torment your life. Half of us leaving this earth early because the narcissist done tipped us over. (laughs) I'm just thinking about that talk, 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 talker. (laughs) Some folks, life been knocked off a couple of years from that. Being around people that everything is all about me. Come on now. We're in 2020. Nothing is about just you. Your life is not about you. As kingdom believers, we've got a greater cause, a greater call, a greater goal in life than just being fixated on us. So it's time, it's time, 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 time for a change, all right? So this concludes today's moment with Moa. And I hope it was a blessing to you all. Continue to pray for me. I need you to subscribe to my um, uh, podcast and uh, my daughter sent me the link. I sent it out to you guys. Just click on that subscribe button and share with others. We'll be coming to you with more um, topics to talk about. But I I thought this was something worth coming on here and talking through it. And if you desire prayer, just let me know. We're going we to battle this thing because we have authority. We have power. God has given it to us. And it's time that we begin to use it. All right? I love you all. Have a blessed day. Bye-bye.